This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town One evening as the sun went down and the jungle fire was burning Down the track came a hobo hiking And he said, boys, I'm not turning I'm headed for a land that's far away Beside the crystal fountains So come with me, we'll go and see The big rock candy mountains In the big rock candy mountains There's a land that's there Hey there, welcome. You're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 101, covering the comic books that we read that came out on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, April 5th. And this particular podcast is fueled by 1.21 gigawatts of comic book power. That's right. 1.21 gigawatts! <laughs> I am your comic book loving host, Chris Latori. We have a special guest, of course, joining us again, my trusty sidekick and fighting crime, my son, Justin Jables Latori. What's up, Jables? Four episodes in a row, a new record. It's, uh, it's, it's going. We're what happened to the going. hey? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was going to be Hey! Now, thank you for joining us, Jables, and thank you for listening and for joining us here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where we recommend to you an amazing list of comic books that you should read every single week. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Live, or Facebook and Xbox Live at Sunspots Comics. And check us out on YouTube.com slash Tofilat. So if you're brand new to comics and you don't know what to read, this podcast is definitely for you. Or if you've been reading since the clouds were formed 17 million years ago <laughs> and not sure what to read and you want to save some time, you want to save some money, then the Sunspots Comics podcast is definitely for you. So please... Tell a friend or tell a loved one about us. We'd really appreciate it. And we have a ton of comic books this week. Crazy amount. I can't believe how many comic books we actually read. It's nuts. But uh, we're going to talk about the great ones. And, and we've actually done a great job here of just picking out those great ones. So uh, I hope you benefit. I hope you love this. And I hope you enjoy it. And please tell a friend. And a couple of quick thank yous. Nick Papa George, thank you so much for making our Sunspots Comics theme song. Please follow him on Facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. And of course, thank you to Jables. Thank you, Justin, for doing our blog. Check out our Sunspots Comics blog. Oh, you are welcome. <laughs> Check out the blog at uh, blog.sunspotscomics.com. And follow him on Instagram at... Just Sunspots. I, uh, yeah. Keeps it simple. Just sunspots. Thank you. <laughs> and tell us about your latest blog that you're working on. Uh, it's the Logan one. I haven't finished it. Same as last week. So Get her done. <laughs> so, Oh, and by the way, now it's free comic book time. Yes, this is kind of turning into a regular thing on the podcast where I give away free comic books to you, the listener. That's right. Justin won't take them. He promises. Yeah, I, I promise. I, you know, 
I'm leaving it up to you guys. I'm keeping it fair. I'm not cheating. So it's up for grabs. All you got to do is grab this code I'm about to read to you. Go over to marvel.com slash redeem. Punch that in and you can read it for free on the Marvel app and Marvel website, etc. And this week I'm giving away The Vision from Marvel Comics issue number 9. This is written by Tom King and this is eerily and creepily drawn as you look at this, Jables. Look at that. Creepy. <laughs> Absolutely creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark. And it's, it's a story of the Vision trying to assimilate into regular human life. And man, does this all go horribly wrong. I know you haven't read this yet. You should, Justin. It's amazing. But I'm giving away issue number nine. It's right in the heart of the middle of the story, which they did end. It stands alone all by itself. This is definitely a creepy story about the Vision and his uh, family, the Vision family that he just created out of scratch trying to assimilate into the regular world. It's it's horrifying. But here's the code. So come put your put your earphones closer, push them into your earlobes a little, little tighter. <laughs> and listen, here we go. Here is the code. So first one to grab this, go to marvel.com/redeem or marvel.com/redeem. Here and you go. And let us know that you won. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Let us know that you actually got the, the code from the podcast and we'll blast you. You know, we'll share all your stuff, whatever. And so people won't keep trying to punch the code in. But here you go. Yeah. <laughs> here is the code coming right at you. It is F is in Frank, C is in Charlie, M is in Mary, N is in Nancy, 2, N is in Nancy, 2, 1, G is in George, 1, F is in Frank, R as in Roger. Flash style. Here you go. F, C, M, N, 2, N, 2, 1, G, 1, F, R. So come and get it. Good luck. It's first come, first serve. It's up for grabs. Just grab that code and again go to Marvel dot com slash redeem and don't forget to follow us on instagram at sunspots comics because every now and then i will be giving away free comic books there as well so you ready jables hell yeah let's get into it let's get into the sunspots comics podcast issue number 101 with some stuff <coughs> sound effect <laughs> floating around in our nerd brains the first thing for me is comic-con revolution it's in ontario california may 13th we just got approved jables for our press pro passes. I didn't tell you. I wanted, nice. to, I wanted to surprise you. Awesome. We have been approved to be there, so we will be in a press sort of pro capacity. Mm -hmm. They told us to, they have to have our cell phone numbers, so I gave them both of ours, to even potentially on the fly mediate some of the panels. Oh, boy. <laughs> so right. I hope you're ready for public speaking because <laughs> uh, it's coming at you, man. It's coming at you hardcore. Are you ready? <laughs> uh, I mean, I took some classes, some public speaking classes, but... Well, who, uh, maybe. I don't know. That's, all right. <laughs> it's scary, right? Is but, this a new con? I've never heard of this con. Yes, it's the first con ever in Ontario, California, the first time they're doing it. But I was really surprised with some of the lineup that they have. I mean, they have Scott Koblish, the creator of, or the uh, current Deadpool. writer of Deadpool. He's in all the, the yeah, shows. he's there. Hope Larson, who does Batgirl, she's there. And voice actors from animated series, a bunch of cosplayers. And a bunch of, I mean, the artist Alley is is very thorough and, and very girthy. I'm really liking it. Uh, Scott, Lode uh, Scott Lodell from Red Hood and the Outlaws is going to be there. So I am just jazzed. Even Todd Nuck of Spider-Man. Oh. Or Nauk, however he pronounces his name. Uh, and you remember that movie, American Werewolf in London, the classic Never horror? seen it, but I know of it, yeah. That actor is going to be there. He's kind of the, the one. Right. So exciting. They're, and they're announcing more stuff as it's getting closer. So it's May 13th, Saturday. Mark it on your calendar. If you live in Los Angeles, Los Angeles is only in Ontario. It's not that far away. And the, the passes are 25 bucks to get in. Not bad. It's just one day. So definitely go. Parking is free. And that's ComicConRevolution.com. So check it. Check it out. So what's next up on your nerd brain, Justin? 
Um, some, some a little bit of comic book movie news, uh, or movie slash TV news, I guess. Um, yes. So, I, I guess first up, uh, the little Defenders teaser. I saw it on IMDb. Oh, yeah. Um, it was like, I don't know, maybe like eight seconds. It's super <laughs> right. short. But it's basically um, the four Defenders, which is Daredevil, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage, walk into an elevator. Sounds like the beginning of a weird joke, right? <laughs> right, yeah, they go um, walk into a bar. <laughs> they walk into an elevator. Um, and something's going on, and, you know, Luke Cage's got bullet holes, Matt Murdock's wearing a mask over, like, a suit, you know, everybody's, like, out of breath, and then just, like, <laughs> the door, like, the door closes, and, like, you hear, like, the elevator music, and they're all just kind of, like, do 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 tapping there, you know, listening to the music, and then Jessica Jones notices the camera and, like, knocks the camera out, and that's the end of it. And I watched this thing, like, a billion freaking times. Like, I don't understand why I'm so obsessed with this. I'm just ready, I guess. But it was just awesome. I, I don't know why. Um, yeah, it's black and white. It's, like, yeah. eight seconds long. But exciting that they're all there in one elevator. <laughs> I mean, just seeing them all together for the first time, I guess, is kind of cool. But, like, there's nothing to this. You know what I mean? There's nothing to this, this little teaser. It's just all visual. It's Where's just, the Punisher? Yeah, exactly. Well... <laughs> I mean, you were bringing up something you read. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it, but you go ahead and explain it. Uh, Punisher versus Defenders, and uh, I think they speculated also that they won't get along at first. They're all fighting the Punisher, and then they all get along, and then there's another bad guy. <laughs> what do you think? I don't, I don't know if I believe that. Just because at the end of uh, Daredevil two, the, the Daredevil season two, they they uh, they sort of have like a like an understanding. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm expecting the Punisher not even to be in the Defenders. Maybe to like a cameo like once and then that's about it. But I think something bigger is happening because of the Defenders. So I don't think the Punisher is going to be involved as a villain because he's getting his own series. So I think he's just going to be more um, focused on that than on Defenders. Maybe next season two of Defenders he'll like have more of a role. But he's definitely not involved in the Defenders because they're very much against killing at least. And, mm-hmm. and Punisher's definitely not. So, yeah. Um, next up, DC's open up to more, I guess, R-rated movies. Yeah, like animated the, movies. Uh, like the Killing Joke one they did, which was right. like borderline R. It wasn't really that crazy. That was the first animated Warner Brothers DC feature that I saw in the theater when it came out. Yeah. And, well, uh, usually they don't release them. They're limited release or, or you know, they have like a screening video. or then, then they're straight to video. Um so I'm excited about this, that they actually want to do more. They're very much open to doing more rated R animated features. What do you think? I, I'm all for it, but at the same time, they're all kind of following suit with like what Deadpool did. Because Deadpool was so damn excess- successful, and it was the first comic book R-rated movie that was, you know, it was crazy good. And then, you know, Logan followed suit, and then apparently the Gambit movie is going to do, be doing that, and like... So everyone's like announcing like an R-rated, you know, the Venom is rumored to be rated R from right. Sony. So it's like everyone's just sort of following suit, and it's kind of worrying me a little bit because there are there are comic book titles that are totally, totally adaptable to be rated R. But then there are some comic book titles that you shouldn't put in R. So it, I'm I'm curious to see what they think is worth that rating. So we'll see. I think it's a it's a risky. Um, a move that I'm 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 kind of proud to see that they're they're putting their hat in the ring because the Killing Joke was uh, received in a sort of a not really well reviewed and the, they're taking a, a, a risk here and making more rated R movies because face it they're the only comic book franchise that's doing rated R animated full feature films 
They're it. Mm-hmm. There's no Marvel rated R. I mean, yes, everyone's getting in the ring of rated R, but they're the only uh, publishing house to go into full animated feature rated R. So I'm excited. I just want them to make good movies. I hope no matter what it is, they're enthralling, they're engaging, they're worth the rated R, and it makes sense, and they're just good standalone features. That's what I hope. But, uh, you know, they're going for it. So props to them. I thought that's pretty cool. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you why it wasn't that well-received. Because Batman had sex with Batgirl. That's just not <laughs> supposed to happen. <laughs> On the rooftop. Thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> you think that was the jump the shark moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. They, 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 they instead of jumping the shark, they had sex with the shark. <laughs> oh. So it's, it's, you know. <laughs> they just crushed the whole concept of yeah, jumping it, the shark. Yeah. Thing. All right. Fonzie d- d- didn't do that, though. So. <laughs> Fonzie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, next up on my nerd brain, inside my nerd lobes, is Image Plus Magazine number 12. So on issue number 100, I went over issue number 11 of the Image Plus Magazine. Well, number 12 is even more awesome. If you're not reading Image Plus Magazine, you should. It's worth the $2 when it comes out. But this one has a... There was a a graphic novel uh, that came out a couple of weeks ago uh, called Afar from creator Lila Del Duca. And there is an article at the front page, very inside opening page of the Image Plus magazine number 12, where she recommends music that's paired along with her graphic novel. And I tried it, and it's a winner. I even had to reach out to Lila Del Duca and tell her great musical picks. There was some alternative rock music here I was not aware of that really pairs well with her very sci-fi a fantasy element comic called Afar. It's a graphic novel by Image Comics. Fantastic stuff. So I love that right off the bat. And they're also celebrating the 25th anniversary of Image and interviewing all of the founders of Image Comics. So this one is Mark Silvestri. You're familiar with Witchblade, right, yeah. Jables? So he was the creator of that and the co-creator of Image when it started 25 years ago. Last issue was Rob Liefeld, and this one is Mark Silvestri. So a great interview here. you got to read it with David Harper. He really did his homework on Mark Silvestri and all of his work and how he contributed to the creation of Image Comics 25 years ago. And then there's, of course, uh, some interesting little smidges, little glimpses into some comics. There is one called Crosswind in here, and it's very much kind of X-Files meets... Uh, just a great, like, L.A. Law sort of cop buddy drama. And, man, I can't wait to see what that's all about. Winnebago Graveyard. This is very sort of culty, um, kind of Satan, satanic cult, and how they're affecting this sort of small town in a very dark, uh, gruesome, noir-like uh, adventure. And then Shirtless Bear Fighter number one comes out, and I just cracked up when I saw the title. Shirtless Bear Fighter is coming out in May, and it looks amazing from jo- uh, Jody LaHup and artist uh, Nick uh, Nil Bendrel, which has a great sort of cartoony style. And uh, it's look at the size of that wiener. <laughs> Some they they do phase they they fuzz it out though, right? Like they're watching it from a faraway camera angle. It's hilarious, but. Some great and interesting and weird new number ones they take a second to highlight. And then, of course, it wraps up. Uh, they, they highlight a local comic book shop, I have to say, that little part. And then they have a, se- a segment called Comics Uncovered, which like reminds you of all the amazing image comics that have been there over the years that you have to look at. Great little article you should check out, Comics Uncovered. And then finishes with Here's Negan, Chapter 12. And I love that they're going to collect all of these eventually, but just the whole origin background story and the and the just uh, the whole story of Negan, the complex F-word blowing character <laughs> that just loves to... In, I know it's setting like a world record for the most F-words in a comic ever, because I think in one panel there's like 11, 
time he drops the F word in one. But I love that it finishes up with that. And of course, there's an awesome poster right in the center of it, right at the staple line from Joe Kelly and his Kid Savage comic. Just cool that you can take these staple lines out and just put them in a frame. Like, pretty cool. Like a free poster. Two bucks. Totally worth it. You should be reading Image Plus Magazine. And the last thing that's on my nerd brain is that I'm writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the writing and the coloring, the lettering. My friend Jordan Hudson's doing his amazing art. Please check out his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is beautiful and it makes my eyes happy. Thank you, Jordan. And please check out our site, zombiedestroyers.com, where we put some sample pages of my comic book there so you can look at it. And just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. We had to add some additional art to page 20. So Jordan's actually going back, adding this little additional piece of art. I can only tell you that a dog is involved. Jackson? <laughs> That's our dog's name. Um, <laughs> I just realized his, nobody knows the that his name. <laughs> but his name is not Jackson in the comic book. For legal reasons, of course, all names and are no longer subject to being actual live persons. But anyway, um, that's the little update there. We're hoping to wrap up uh, to page 30 very soon and be releasing issue number one out to the world. That is my comic book, Zombie Destroyers. Please check out zombiedestroyers.com from time to time. And I just wanted to give a little spotlight, a little quick mention that in my segment called Spotlighting, which is coming up very soon, I have a guest lined up. We're working out our schedule. It's from the Action Lab Danger Zone comic book title, Blood and Dust. And it's writers Michael Martin and Adam Orndorf. Hopefully he'll get some of the artists. Uh, there's Raymond Lee, Alan Martinez, and Kel Natal, all on art. And you can get Blood and Dust through Action Lab Danger Zone issues 1 through 3 are out right now. There's a volume 1 recapturing it. And we're going to be talking about issue number four and the second arc that's coming out. But it's called Blood and Dust. Here, Justin, read the little synapse of what Blood and Dust is. Here we go. Oh, boy. Get, Judd Blenry is the first American vampire. Once he terrorized the West as his most fearsome predator. But for more than 40 years now, he spent his days in peace. Reduced to little more than a babysitter for his own vampire offspring. But when the evil that lives in the swamp surrounding the small Blackwater town he calls home <gasps> gets a hold of one uh, gets a hold of one of Judd's great grandkids, everything changes. Dun dun dun. <laughs> but it's a very like old man Dracula is what it kind of <laughs> reminds me of story, and I love it. It's action packed. It's got this great swamp monster in the first arc that's amazing. And you got to read Blood and Dust. So they're coming up. Thank you for being uh, future guests on our podcast, you guys. We'll get you on very soon. We're just getting the schedules worked out. But just to mention our quick little segment called Spotlighting, if you yourself are an independent comic book creator or you know someone that is, we want to help and do our part and shine and talk about your work uh, here on Sunspots Comics so we can spread our love and support for you struggling creators like myself. I'm trying to break into the comic book biz. So just send us a review copy of your work to our emails, Chris or Justin at sunspotscomics.com. Message us, of course, at sunspotscomics. Because if you're an independent comic book creator, it's tough to get your work out there, and so we want to do our part to help. Now, on to the comic book news. I just have one quick article, and it's actually from our friends at Comic Cron. And they've done a great job of putting together all of the stats as to how the comic book world is doing. So this is a state of the comic book union address. So Justin, what is the number one graphic novel for the month of March compared to last year? Uh, or what is the number one sold? I'm looking at the stat here. What is it? Ready? 
the number one sold was actually Saga. Saga Volume 7 by Brian Michael Bendis. Yes. And the number two graphic novel was The Walking Dead, number 27. And also a comparative from last year to this year, just overall, comic books in general are up by 8.93% uh, from last year compared yeah. to this year. So that's good news, right? It's up and up. But look at the percentage of the increase of graphic novels right here from this year to last year. You got a, you got a lot of people trying to catch up. It's up tw almost 20%. Graphic novels are selling and increasing in sales more than regular floppy comics. And I also looked at how interesting it was to see how many titles Marvel and DC have. Can you guess without looking? How many titles Marvel has out and how many titles DC has out? 42. Negative. You're halfway there. They're both 92 <laughs> each. <laughs> and it's weird that they have the exact same amount of titles that they're releasing, 92. And Marvel made more money, but DC had more of the unit sales because they do bi-weekly also and they're at $2.99. So Marvel made more money because they charge more. And they also noted that uh, the Spider-Man issue was $10 that came out. Amazing Spider-Man 25 was $9.99. Why, why was that so, Was that a significant issue? I didn't read that one. Yeah, it was a bonus. Uh, there was about uh, 64 pages, but I, I, when I saw that price, I was like, wow, I just can't do it. 10 bucks, but... I don't know. I mean, you see something that's ten bucks, you just kind of be like, "All right, sure." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good attitude. It's a comic to have. book. I mean, well, <laughs> at the same time, I did buy you it. Got, but... You got you got like the the death of Superman syndrome now, where it's kind of like just be careful what you buy because you don't want it to be a flop like the death of Superman was. Everybody's still trying to sell those for like two dollars each now, so it's a little, a little hard to hard to get rid of those. So maybe it was just one of those. You thought maybe death of Superman, you're not gonna pay this much money for it. So yeah. Well, anyway, I wanted to just give a quick little uh, state of the comic book union address. So there it is. Comic book's doing really well. Paper comics are all on the rise. And this isn't even including the digital realm of comics. That, again, is like the cherry on top. But thank you very much, Comicron. You can follow them at Comicron.com. That's C-O-M-I-C-H-R-O-N.com. Thank you to John Jackson Miller, the creator of Comicron, for putting all this amazing data together. Thank you very much. I follow you guys on everything, and I appreciate it. And I'd just like to share with everyone sort of how comic book the comic book world is doing. And so there you go. That's just our one little comic book article this week. So now on to our favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is our comic book reviews and recommendations, where we pick our favorite comic books for new comic book day, April 5th. And of course, ring the spoiler alert bell, Jables. Go ahead. Ding! <laughs> one more time, what was that? Ding! Ding! <laughs> well, really only a semi-spoilerish alert. We do our best here to not talk about the last few pages, to leave some of the talking points out on purpose so that we're not covering every single interesting part. But we want to give you, uh, we want, you get, want to get you excited. We want to entice you. We want to inspire you to buy these comic books immediately at your local comic book shop. So, but just in case, semi-spoilerish alert, you have been warned. Okay? And now to see everything that we're reading, my favorite pick list since all the way back to May of 2015, or even the 148 titles I'm currently reading. Woo! That's a lot of titles. Just go to sunspotscomics.com and just click pull list, click on the top comic books of the week to see everything there. It's all cataloged, it's all listed so you can see all the past weeks. I just updated it as I do every single week, so please just check out sunspotscomics.com. I'm super, super duper proud of it. And this week's artist winner, we kind of had two because I picked one and you picked one. They were different this week. I picked my favorite art winner was Ariel Olivetti for Brutal Nature issue one and two. 
and man, it was gorgeous. He has this beautiful pencil style. I mean, the way he does musculature is amazing. It's He did Venom, the Space Knight, and I just can't believe it. It's the facial features, the wrinkles, all of the grooves in the faces are just gorgeous. He's a top-notch artist, Ariel Olivetti. You have to put your eyes on it. And issue number one and two were evenly glorious. Uh, they were so detailed, so super hyper-focused. Even the wallpaper in the background, very detailed. And there's a reference to the first arc, which was many, many years ago. But I love his tone. I love the textures of skin that he that he uses. It's all so beautiful and detailed. And he makes these uh, these masks, these sort of Mayan masks that have power. And each one of them are just intricately detailed, like it's its own little like hieroglyphic. It's just beautiful. Such detailed, intricate work. Ariel Olivetti, easily my favorite artist winner of the week. And Justin, yours was Allies. And the artist, which her name escapes me. It's I'm really bad with names. Read it to me. Uh, I'm looking for all I can find are the last <laughs> names. Yeah. Uh, Devova and Efroviva. Natalia De, uh, Devova and Alina Efroviva. And the colorist is by Victoria uh, Vinogradova. Oh my gosh. Sorry. For... Um, <laughs> so these are all female um, creators, which I thought was kind of cool. But um, just opening open the book and on page one, yeah. it's just like this beautiful landscape. Like just crazy like... You can almost frame some of this stuff. Like yeah, it looks like a picture. Mm -hmm. Looks like somebody took a picture of woods, and I just the texture of the nature was just so real to me. It felt right. so vibrant, and it's like this this guy walking through a forest, and it's just uh, basically it's just a beautiful day. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, look at the skyscape here, and the and the landscaping is just beautiful, and the details in the faces, right? That and, that that was one thing. Um, from the first book that I didn't rec I didn't really uh, acknowledge as much as I did in this one because like you really get emotion in these faces like even like such slight emotion where it's just like this guy's kind of disconnected you know which is a hard emotion to yeah Melan to melancholy yeah. look in his face so uh, it was it was just a real fun real fun stuff to look at great great landscapes great great uh, like backgrounds. Like, even, like, trees in the background like this just look so insane. Reminds me of, like, reminds me of, like, I don't know, when, when we go camping. Yeah. You know, that's real. all you see. You look down, like, a, a wooded glen, and you, all you see is these tree trunks. Just real, real fun to look at. Um, yeah, so that was my art winner. Yeah, she does action really well, right? You can tell by how just that blurring effect looks for all of the action. Mm -hmm. I mean, Alina Efroviva top-notch she's going to be a big name in comics i can feel it yeah, I, I even told i remember last last time we talked about allies i talked about the the word bubbles or not the word bubbles the the i guess sound effects yeah. or like you know um i don't know what those are called yeah, sound yeah, effects i sound guess effects. Mm -hmm. um <laughs> there's no sound though you know i think it's funny mm -hmm. um they're drawn in and it, to me it, that just adds such a crazy uh, like feeling it sounds like it feels like you can almost like hear it it's like it sends like a ping in your brain where you're just like oh like i can tell what that sound is i've done that before or you know there's a, there's a scene where she's rubbing her leg and you could just kind of like hear like the sheets ruffling yeah it's weird it, it, it's hard to it's hard to explain just being a nerd reading this kind of stuff and you just kind of just recognize it automatically but it's all drawn in which i always thought was awesome it it, it just makes it grounds the book and makes it feel real 
you know what they are I, it, in old olden days the comic books were like especially referencing like 66 batman the sounds the the sound effect words were so out there and make believe right schlatt blang pliff blau right these are just simple subtle words like rustle and when she's rubbing her she lost her legs and she's rubbing it just says the word rub <laughs> you know and it just like sort of i don't know fills in that spot in your mind to help push your imagination forward yeah. and you hear that sound you, you almost like because don't... you can't hear how can you yeah. put together spliff no, in your head, but can you put together like rub and yeah. rustle? And like what I think is kind of cool, and the the way they did the art, there's a scene where she's punching a window, and it just says "bam," you know, and like a bunch of bams. Like you almost don't even need to look at the words; you can look at what's going on, and you know the sound it's making. It's it's uh, it's interesting because you could focus on the character and see all these bams around her, and like to me, it's like I'm playing it in my head; like I can hear it. It's nuts. I'm glad you picked up on that. That's really the truly the magic of comics is if you can get that imaginative part of your brain working and these little subtle words help with that. So Allies, that's his art winner. Definitely one of my high picks for art winner as well. And the art cover winner for me was Iron Fist, number two from Jeff DeCall. And it's the only one again that made it to my desktop background this week. And it was Iron Man issue number two. And it just shows... Him standing behind this sort of yellow silhouette of of the classic with the with the collar Iron Man suit in the background Iron in Iron Fist, Iron Fist and, and just in <laughs> just this glowing yellow right and if you notice on the on the glowing yellow it sort of like permeates and there's these sort of lines that almost create like an Asian uh, hieroglyphic uh -huh. in the background of it right as it bleeds off this glowing. Look, you see that there? It's yeah. like words. It's like really, a matrix. It's like a. It almost looks just like ink blotching. But you can tell, like, there's something coming off of it. Yeah. yeah. And it's very, uh, almost reminds me of Greg Smallwood, the way he's uh, standing there and, and Danny Rand is, like, bleeding all around his neck and off his face. And he's wearing these bloody gloves. And he's just coming out of the smoke down this alley. And there's, like, a reflection from the bottom of his feet, like, it's sort like, of on the other like side of it. It's like we're looking into the reflection. Yeah. And, like, the, he, the, the feet... Um, are coming from the bottom of the of like upside down. You have to see this. Yeah, so it's like it's like you're looking into a puddle, and he's standing over the puddle. Right, and we're looking down yeah. on the puddle, and you see the the red blood spattering dripping off of him. Like it's just glorious. The red, the white is striking. It's very iconic. I'd like to get like if I if I ever ran into these people at a con, I'd like to get this this one signed. Yeah. Just because, uh, well, not just we're because coming it's a for good you, book. Jeff. Jeff Decal, we're coming. Yeah, not just because it's a good book, but just because. Of, the, the cover the cover is just iconic it's, it's simple yet complicated and I think I like the kind of it it goes into the metaphors of the book when he's looking into this reflection I won't get into it but it, it makes a lot of sense to me yeah so. it definitely does it's definitely very striking very iconic and that, that we uh, you had another one I, I love this one and a close second even for me was your actual cover yeah. pick winner which was Superman number 20 from Jorge Jimenez. Yeah, it was like the third variant, I think, because there was like four covers for this one. Three covers. Um, yeah, so it's by Jorge Jimenez. Uh, it's basically the iconic, I guess, like... Yeah, we're throwing that word out again. Uh, iconic, gum-chewy, um, very Silver Age Superman, put, like, pushing... It looks, it looks like he's gigantic, but he's, like, pushing <laughs> the world. Like, he has the world in his hands... And he's like pushing it. He's got the, the whole world <laughs> in his hands. And I just thought that this was just like everything I've ever wanted in a Superman poster to hang up on my wall. It is. So right. look like, at the cape in this. Yeah, like I, I would, I would buy a blown up size of this. Like I would buy it and put it on my wall. Like it was, it's just 
so silver agey and classic and and you know also another sort of metaphor thing where he has the world and he's pushing it right. he's, i don't know where he's pushing it but he's pushing it and you see the shadow on on the earth from the sun behind him and that's where he gets his power it, it was just to me it just described a whole lot about superman and just the history and the the iconicness of this of this title. So this even has a beautiful symmetrical, like easy, simple symmetry, right? You have the earth yeah. on top, the sun sort of peeking right into the top of it, where he's in, you know, standing right in front of the, of the silhouette yeah. of the sun, and he's part part of his muscles are all silhouetted and shadowed. I wish I looked like Superman. <laughs> Show was that buff. Hey, you work out, you take your protein. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You do some sit ups and push ups. Put down the In-N-Out burgers, you know what I'm saying? We can, no, we can do I it. I can't do it. In-N-Out's too good. In-N-Out's the best. If you live out here in the West Coast, you you know it's lucky to have You know what we're talking In-N-Out. about. In-N-Out. I had Shake Shack for the the first time for the other day. Eh. It was just a random. I thought it was good. The meat was good, but it's, no not, it's not In-N-Out. It's not. And their fries were a little disappointing, but <laughs> anyway. Anywho, <laughs> we digress. Uh, in the breakdown this week, uh, we actually bought 21 comics that we read, and 12 Woo! of them. 12 made it to the great pick list, which is over that 50%, which is great. It was a good week of comics. I mean, a great week of comics because 12 of them made it to the great list. And the new number one breakdown, there were five and all five of them made it to the great pick ones list, which is amazing. So we'll discuss that here shortly. So here we go, Justin. Let's get into our top comic book recommendations. This is the great ones list, folks. The greatest of the greats of new comic book day, April 5th, Wednesday, April 5th. We consider these to be the greatest of the great ones and only the great ones make it to the Sunspots comic recommendation list so here we go here's the great 12 coming in at number 12 is iron fist i disagree with this ranking (laughs) um i i think it should be higher but iron fist number two um from uh brisson i don't remember the last ed brisson and mike perkins and color by andy troy um mike mike perkins here like brutal right violent um it's very almost alex ross type style very Alex Ross in the action scenes, I should say. Yes, maybe not as finished yeah. and polished and uh, yeah. fuzzy and uh, you know as, as Ross. But I see what you're saying and the iconic posing sometimes yeah, too. It's very clean. Yeah. It's it's clean. There there the lighting is always is very Alex Ross like because you can see like there's a scene where you know Iron Fist has his yellow bandana on. You can see the reflection in the sun off of yeah. his bandana. So it's it's very good. So um, other than that, this story. I am all in on this. Man, I wish that the show was like this. Like, this would have been... This, uh, I, I don't want to get into it, but this would have just made the show ten times better. If they just did yeah. this, this would be awesome. Like, you this don't need very, any backstory. You don't? You, they, they didn't explain anything nope. in the beginning of number one. Like, they obviously released this for the show being released, but yeah. you don't need any backstory to get into the story. Essentially, what's going on is... Danny Rand is put in the trial of the seven masters on this crazy island of kung fu geniuses. It is so Bruce Lee, like, enter the dragon here. <laughs> Mortal just, Kombat. And I love it. Mortal that. Kombat, too. Yes. So, he basically, he goes onto this this island, and immediately you're dropped into him fighting this, like, like waterbender. If, you've yeah. ever, if anybody's seen... Um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. He's a waterbender, <laughs> so he's basically kicking Iron Fist's ass with water, which is awesome. And so y- you get into like some crazy paneling, and it's awesome. And and they describe his house. This guy was the house of Eel, remember? And there's yeah. the seven 
uh, families, the seven houses. Yeah, there's and like each have an like animal. Eel, bull, wolf, dragon. rat, dragon. Um, I can't remember the other ones. We're missing. We're missing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, you get it. There's they're all animals, and Danny Rand. I, I like Danny Rand. He, he's different from me as in the show. He's very more snarky, sarcastic, um, in the comic than he is in the show, and I enjoy that. That's what I felt. Yeah. Um, the show should have been is he should have been more funny and like very matter of the fact like that he's just yeah. kind of like there and he's an awesome kung fu master and like shouldn't really care or worry about anything he's just ignorant almost you know the way I look at it is like the show is like Iron Fist year one and he's like twenty <laughs> and <laughs> and then this right is like he's like thirty five yeah he's been okay. around a while his chi won't work yeah he can't get the power of the Iron Fist to work so he wants to be there to yeah. to. To steal some chi, he's a chi yeah. stealer. That's what he's <laughs> the, chi, chi stealer. Um, that's sort of why he's here. He was promised that anytime he beats the house's champion, so like the eel house's champion, he can take their chi from their body. That's chi as stealer his, as his reward. So he's trying to regain his chi because his iron fist isn't working. So he goes into the his first match is the the uh, the champion of the eel house. Yeah, and he's getting his ass handed to him, and you're just yeah. kind of like, oh. I love when they call it the they they call I out. I love the moves. that. That's I this wrote is the that. this is the charging rhino rib crusher. It's like they name these moves. Yeah, it's awesome. There's like like uh, a bunch of them that like I just want to like see if they're real. Yeah, like, I want to look them up and like electric eel strike. Like what you know? But that one may might be not be real. That requires <laughs> some powers. His um, hand does light up with blue <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> blue um, lightning. <laughs> but at the end of this fight, um, Danny Rand sort of gets his 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 iron fist back for like a split second and knocks this guy out with like this crazy punch and then steals his chi and from there i will not talk about the rest of the issue but we do <laughs> yeah we do see though that he hits him so hard right and he ha wasn't used to having his chi back right or at least for a moment and then uh, he finds out that the guy's like uh, in cardiac arrest so he, ha he has to use his iron fist power as a defibrillator you know yeah. he didn't say clear you know that's, well, I, I thought he was stealing his chi <laughs> No, he's, I thought he was reviving him because he's also, oh. if you read very carefully here, he's like, oh gosh, he's all, don't die. He's like, please work, please work. And the no, guy, no, and he's no, like, he's stealing his chi, man. I don't you know, think so? Yeah, he's stealing the chi. I kind of got it as he was giving him, he was defibrillating him. You know, he, he's stealing, the, he doesn't have the iron fist right now. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. That's a, <laughs> that's a open for interpretation, I guess, right? I just thought, maybe was he stealing the no, chi? He, was he's he stealing the chi. Because he hit him, see, with chi. His well, that, chi activated. That's what I'm saying. He like he got back the power of the Iron Fist for like a split second, then stole the chi. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought he was like he was helping. No, him he doesn't he give a shit. Work. He doesn't care that this guy's knocked out. He's like, oh, I just want the chi. All right, so. maybe. I don't know. I have to read it. I'll have to read it again. But anyway, great action-packed stuff. Enter the Dragon, Mortal Kombat, Iron Fist. Also, uh, our cover, my cover art winner this week at number twelve. Number eleven was Sun Bakery, issue number two. I have to mention this. It's from Image Comics. This is uh, from the creative mind, all one creator, which is very, very cool here, uh, which his name will pop up in a second. But this is a very kind of American anime anthology magazine. It has short stories in it. Uh, this is from Corey Lewis, all created. It's 48 pages. And the, it, this guy definitely loves some of the Nintendo games like Metroid and... Uh, the, the first uh, short story is very much a Metroid character of a young woman with this awesome robot and spaceship. And she is basically out there trying to increase her space social media in a way. And I thought that was interesting. What did you think of the look of this, the art? Uh, very bright, very colorful. Pinks, blues, purples. Silhouetting. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was interesting. I, right. I, uh, 
I sort of looked at it like it was an abstract art piece. Uh, it feels that way. You can't you can't really take every anything in this comic book too seriously because there's parts where I just don't know what the hell is going on. Um, but you you sort of I think that's sort of the fun of this book is trying to figure out what is all this you know and um, I guess sizing and like you know scale is a little bit thrown off to me for for some of the the scenes going on. But it just adds to the fun of the book. Like, there's a part where the statue throws a yeah. ship shaped like a football and throws right. it like a football. Because so. she's able to sort of morph into a football, very Metroid-like, by the way. And and this sort of kaiju statue throws the throws her when she's in this football shape. And But it's strange, it's weird, it's otherworldly, and the strange blue and, and dark pink silhouetting is all sort of strange and weird, but great yeah. kinetic speed and, like I said, a, an anime that makes sense, like an American anime that actually is tangible, is what I told you earlier. <laughs> I'm going to stick to that. Maybe you're reading animes wrong. You know you're supposed to read it from right to left, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> but when I was a little kid and I would read anime and I was reading it properly, yes, I would, if there was dialogue in, in English, th- uh, thankfully, the main guy read, and I would just be sort of like, oh, because it didn't make a lot of sense. It was so depth and deep and intense. You had to have read 50 volumes prior. You fool. <laughs> This isn't even my final form. And you're all, what? Huh? But this is accessible, it's tangible, and it's American anime, and it, it mixes these interesting little short stories. The first one, like I said, is the, of the Metroid-like girl character trying to increase her global social media presence. And the next one is like this sort of skater. And look at the oranges and, and yellows and weird sort of world that it lives in, but it's this sort of tale of this weird skater, which you gotta check it out. It's in a world where there's only swords and guns are, are, are now ineffectual. Everyone has this sort of protective aura from, from guns, and it's this sword fighting, skateboarding, weird world where even the sword has Wi-Fi. Like how's that? How does that work exactly? I like I like how the the one of the guys is like I'm level nine. Like it matters <laughs> in real life. Like okay. Yeah, like you live in this video game world in a way, right? It's weird, and it's different, and it's edgy, and every single one of the short stories all looks very different from each other. So very kind of lovingly, you you get to turn the page, and just jump into another world. And so there's like I, I just I think it's so interesting and different, and it's doing some very avant-garde interesting things here and I'm very much in even the dead naked series at the very very end is like this western walker uh, this guy's walking the plains of this of the old west and he's sort of getting into um, finding and redeeming uh, himself and also he's sort of a bounty hunter and I just am interested to see where that goes but it's all fun it's sort of all an interesting mixture and a very much yes yeah, screaming like it's just a kind of interesting art piece but that is why Sun Bakery is my number 11 pick of the week, issue number two. Thank you very much, Corey Lewis. Love it. And coming in at number 10 is Colossi, issue number one. This is the number one of those, like I said, all five of the five new number ones made it into the countdown this week. And Colossi is from Vault Comics. It's kind of it's the same comic company as Allies, so kind of hard to find. This is uh, beautifully done in this interesting little story, which I'll find the creators here in a second. There's uh, there's four of them. Mo, Muriel, Stelladia, and Hade. And it's titled Massive Problems, Tiny People. <laughs> Vault Comics presents Colossi. I just love the presentation of it. It has this very sort of classic 50s sort of sci-fi action movie presentation. It looks like Silver Surfer on the front blowing this cosmic fire out of his mouth and the people crawling up the fire like what is going on and there's a crow in the center of the page but i thought wow this looks definitely interesting the color palette here is very strange and unique it has a very kind of futuristic cartoony looking style i just love it it's a uh, ricardo mo and alberte muriel 
and this is the story of like this this sometime in the in the very far future where this sort of flying bus this hover bus if you will takes this group of people and then it hits hits like a wormhole and disappears into this other strange dimension and ultimately in this other dimension everyone is 10 times the size of them it's like they've uh, honey i've shrunk the kids <laughs> so they're trying to figure out what's going on there's a cast of interesting characters and there's an android in here which you like and i know you're very much like most androids and things you I'm, don't like i'm against all robots um <laughs> I, I am a robot racist, uh, <laughs> you could say, because uh, they are you never to be trusted. Right. Um, even this Yoda robot that you have in your room, it <laughs> creeps me out. Looking at you. Um, yeah, he's looking directly at me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a robot racist. Scared so you are. Me. Yes. <laughs> robot racist. That's what. We, that's your new nickname. Yep. That should be your your social media <laughs> handle from Hashtag now on. Hashtag robot racist. Let's get it trending. <laughs> get it trending. And there's even this robot named Zeus in it that bleeds the white milky substance like the aliens robot. But he is there for good. He's helping this young kid that was uh, that hit his head after this this bus space bus slipped into the wormhole. And he's there to help, and he's there. He does a lot of things to help. They even at one point run into this house, right? It's like everyone is a giant, and they hide in a dollhouse, and of course a cat is chasing them. And the the Zeus is just very selfless, and he is self-aware, but he jumps right out of this dollhouse, and he's there to preserve all human life. And he can't even hurt the giants. He considers them still considered human life, and he definitely has that that directive in his mind that keeps him from in any way harming a human whatsoever but he's not also a selfish jerk there's no reason for you to be robot racist in this he's a good <laughs> zeus is good <laughs> well there's always a slimmer a sliver of of doubt with robots all right so you should never be too careful just saying <laughs> it's in the world of artificial intelligence don't trust movie, robots like terminator 2 out there and terminator 1 you can never be too safe man <laughs> you're definitely my son that's just so hilarious but check out the matrix batteries we're batteries but um definitely an interesting sci-fi 50s kind of movie and take and and i love the premise the art is is very beautiful clean chiseled very cartoony style colossi check it out from vault comics issue number one go get it they slip into a wormhole in the giant world. What are they going to do? Honey, I shrunk the kids. I apologize for my mental breakdown about robots. Um, <laughs> all of you robots listening. <laughs> all you robots listening. I uh, I am sincerely uh, sorry about the, the comments I said about your <laughs> race and uh, whatnot. Anyway, moving on. We'll read it to you now in binary. 0011-0001-1100001. So that, that meant we're sorry. And now <laughs> coming in at number eight is Justin's art cover winner, Superman number 20 from DC Comics. Loved this book. I loved it. This is one of my favorites. Um, if I ranked this list, it might have been one or two. Tell them the um, gist of where we are. So, well, I jumped in cold. Um, th this was, it was freaking awesome, though. It, it's a perfect jumping in point for anybody who hasn't read it, uh, the last couple issues of Superman. It's the start of a new, uh, a new arc, so... Um, but it's Bl uh, Black Dawn is the new arc. So, um, basically... By the way, the team of... Oh, sorry. Patrick Gleason and Peter J. Tomasi is the story, and Patrick Gleason is on pencils. But your cover that you loved is from Jorge Jimenez. Yeah, Jorge Jimenez. That's the, the alternate cover that I really loved. It's the one we oh, described earlier. Beautiful. Yeah, so, so essentially what's going on in this comic, um, John Kent... Superman's son, if you didn't know that. Um, mm -hmm. He um, is sort of got powers, but sort of not. And Crypto's in this, which is awesome. Crypto, Crypto my favorite super dog, you know. Um, so, John Kent is sort of developing powers. He's, like, trying to fly. 
and whatnot, and he runs really fast like Superman did in the beginning. And uh, he's got like a friend and whatnot, and they know of his superpowers, which is kind of crazy. So Superman, Lois Lane, and John Kent are kind of hiding out in like Kansas. Like uh, I think it's called Hamilton, but it's okay. near Kansas. It's, yeah. yeah, it's it's like Kansas, the Midwest. Yeah, um, it it looks like his old farm, like where he lived at. You know, when it looks he was like a Smallville. Kid. Yeah, it looks like Smallville, and he's just being a regular farmhand, like he was raised. Um, you could see like people looking up to him in this town. Yeah, like, the hope in their eyes. Yeah, and, and which is always like when you when you read Superman, like Superman compared to Batman, like the comic books, you always get positivity with Superman, and you always get darkness and like sort of like broken people in batman so <laughs> when you go into superman you get these hopeful people that look yeah. up to superman as if he's like a not a god but like a figure of 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 positivity to them yes. and so you get superman kind of watching his son with his crazy super eyes and then you see him watching his wife lois lane yeah. um or lois kent uh-huh. now because they're married uh walking the garbage garbage cans and he just like he he sees her from so far away and just says, "Just beautiful." I, I like I got like chills from this. Gooey eyed, you know, gooey. Um, <laughs> right, because he looks at her from afar and she's not looking at him, and he's like, "Just beautiful." Like yeah. he's just he's this warm, uh, hopeful. You, you want to you want to take a break and go kiss your wife real quick? <laughs> yeah, you can, you can do that. Okay. <laughs> um, so Lois is looking a little bit distraught, like she misses the old life. Like, her, all her males coming in, Lois Kent, and then the neighbor kind of comes in and is like, hey, like, there's a storm coming, like, you should go inside and whatever. And then they're having, like, a family bonding time, and she sort of seems to, like, snap out of it because Clark is there, and he's kind of consoling her, and they, like, look into each other's eyes, all gooey and whatever. Anyway, so it's time for bed. John goes to bed. Um, and, like, there's a storm, so, you know, John Kent's looking out the window, and then all of a sudden, like, there's a, a panel of a bat yeah. eating a bug and I'm just like right. oh no way and I then, like knew and then silhouette of Batman it, all, right? yeah silhouette and so, so John Kent sees a silhouette I think it's Superman I don't know but it, it's a silhouette and he's like oh yeah and he like puts on his little makeshift zipper suit and you see Superman yeah. walk into his barn and then who the hell comes out of the shadows like a freaking bat yeah. <laughs> Batman and Robin it's just it was like freaking awesome I I, I th- I read this at work, <laughs> and like when when I saw the panel on of Batman, break, uh, yeah, when I saw the panel of Batman and Robin, I was like, yeah, and like people looked at me weird. It, it, it you know, it's normal. It happens to me a lot. Um, We're used to. It. <laughs> and so essentially, what's happening now is Batman is sort of um, coming back to Clark and Lois with news about John and and his health. So I guess Batman was doing some tests on John to see his development and what's going on and make sure that the human and kryptonite hybrid is like okay and he's not gonna die and like explode and whatever and so they have this conversation and then there's a really good really good duality moment between uh superman and batman where they're talking yes. about positivity versus negativity uh optimist versus pessimist which ba- ba- batman's obviously the pessimist and superman is the optimist and so it's just like super metaphorical like about how like the situation how batman's looking at the situation with john negatively and like we should take care of him and and superman's kind of like you know maybe it's good a good thing like we should you know step back and like sort of whatever and and so batman goes investigating and something happens right that's where <laughs> we'll leave it right we should leave it right there but uh yeah i mean talk about the duality of from positive to light that's what was, that was at my its favorite core that was right my here. favorite part of the book yeah and it was just a conversation like it was it was a conversation between 
Superman and Batman and Robin and Superboy. <laughs> like it was Damien even writes here, uh, like they're eating pie, apple pie, right? Just this iconic American moment. And and Damien says like uh, or you know, John says to Damien, Doesn't your dad like apple? And Damien's like Apple pie yeah, apple pie. Doesn't <laughs> he's all Batman doesn't eat pie. <laughs> you know, it's just like they gotta live in the gloom and, and yeah. the Kent family lives you in can, the you light. You could just tell like like the difference between these two families, which is nuts now that you think of it, like there's father and son and father and son, and they both are superheroes. Like it's just awesome. Yeah. Um definitely grab this. Doesn't matter where you grab Superman, what issue, just grab yeah. it. It's just it's been fantastic. I would definitely recommend going ten issues I'm so, back I'm or so. I'm so glad I jumped in on this point too, because this is just such a fun area to start at. Because you don't know what's gonna Great. happen. You know, there's a lot of things that can go from this, but that's why I loved this book so much. I think it yeah. should have been higher on your list. Just saying, but yeah, it was very good. It was, and, and, and the core of it, right? Just the Kent family and that Americana feel, right? Oh, yeah, that's that as core element. And oh, yeah. interesting to where this is going because they're looking at his health and what's going to happen. Who knows? They're is looking he into get it. Get his powers fully, or is he not going to get his power powers fully? What's going to happen? Is the hybrid between human and Kryptonian successful match? Like, what's the deal? It yeah. reminded me of a little bit of Invincible. Yeah. Anyway. That's true. And he believe, Batman believes that Jonathan's powers are going to just Succeed. glimpse him and be at Omega-level powered, yeah. planet-killing powers. So, interesting that... He, I wonder if that theory is going to come true. But uh, that's why Superman number 20 was our number 8 pick. And coming in number 7 is from Image Comics, and it's Extremity number 2. And this was uh, also partnered with Skybound Entertainment. This is from Daniel Warren Johnson, art by Mike Spicer. And a colorist by Mike Spicer, because Daniel Warren Johnson did it all here. But this is an interesting concept. It's sort of this faraway, almost avatar kind of land, where there's definitely factions that have very clearly colored paint on their face, so you know they're from different fa factions. Yeah, so like the, I love the, that. The, the faction that we're following is the, the, red, re face the red rectangle faces, and the bad guys, <laughs> which is... The bad guys <laughs> are the, the green circle faces. So green circle faces versus red square faces <laughs> to the death. <laughs> but ultimately here, there was an eye for an eye concept. There was a, 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 a on the green eye team, the green circle team, they had taken uh, and killed or actually disarmed a major, a major, a major character. And so they eye for an eye got the, 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 the clan leader of the red square face and cut her arm <laughs> off. There's and names she's... for these, but we can't remember them. We're, we're sort of looking right now. I think one was a... Raka, R-A-K-A, -A, and yeah. the other one was a longer one. I couldn't remember that one. They definitely reference um, them as clans. We, yes. I wasn't making that word almost, up. Almost barbarian-like, or almost like, um, maybe, uh, like, sort of like, like, trade agreement-like. Like, they're, they're sort of, you could tell there was an alliance somewhere down this line, and they were peaceful, but then all of a sudden just something happened, and there's, like, all-out war. And the art for some of this stuff is oh. just nuts. I say Avatar, right? Because there's these flows, floating, floating, floating blobs mountains. of land. Floating yeah. Mountains, yeah. And like lighthouses on these weird floating bits of rock. It's crazy. Yeah. And ultimately, this is that story of the father preparing. He wants to prepare his son yeah, to be the secondary leader. But he is, he's like very peaceful and unwarlike. But it's the daughter that got her arm chopped off, who is an artist by nature. And, and I think that's what's made her so sort of violent. Yeah. So the, the, the person that chopped off this daughter's arm um in this issue you get a little bit of motive and why why this person did this and um so i, I i'm guessing that in the clan there is a, a much needed like necessity for people like if you don't have something special about you like you are not needed because she makes a big deal about having this art skill and that was at her that was her 
thing that she was good at. Yeah, your and useful, so, your usefulness. And so this person that chops off her arm, this it seems like a big villain like we're going to have, was talking about how something happened to their daughter and their her face. So her face was like the... I guess she was pretty, right? Yeah. So that was what was good. And so since they damaged her face, he he's get, this person's going to chop off that person's, I guess, ability. Right. You know, they're taking away their specialty yeah, and, and usefulness. And, yeah, and so and it was art for her. Yeah, and so it was it was very eye for an eye and like like yeah. um kind of kind of kind of sad. Yeah, when he, brutal. When he, yeah, and so essentially what's go, what goes on is they're scavenging in for like a, a hover crazy technology. I don't. I, but basically they, they find like a robot in yeah. like this pile of trash. This is my favorite action sequence this week. Because yes. they activate this weird robot, on right? On accident. On accident. Never trust robots. <laughs> Hashtag racist robot. Robot <laughs> racist. Robot racist. <laughs> and it awakens this kaiju-leveled sized beast. With, like, trees on its back. It's grown trees on its back. And a bunch of little babies of this kaiju beast. Yeah. Like, a herd of them. Yeah. And uh, they, they activated this robot, which then wasn't really activating, and they thought it was they'll just leave not, it as junk. Broken, yeah. And thankfully, uh, it steps in to help out. But this action sequence here of this giant kaiju, sort of weird alien wildebeest with trees growing out of its back yeah. was my favorite sort of action sequence. I don't want to break it all down, but it's it's beautiful <laughs> art, too. Gorgeous. Listening listening to us explain this book is, like, we're not touching the surface. Like, yeah. this is, it's hard to... It's hard to get down to to the the essentials of this book and what makes it so good, because it, it, it's so complicated and it's very Avatar like. So you kind of have to kind of have to see it for yourself to like understand what's going on. And lucky for you, this is only issue two, so you can go back yeah. read issue one, which is awesome as well, and then jump to issue two, which is even better. So I, I would recommend hashtag doing more that. awesome. Hashtag more awesome and robot racist. <laughs> um, but I think you nailed it. Thank you. And at its core, though, I think to me, it, it's that father being the primary leader, right? Yeah. Wanting to pass it to his son, but really has to pass it to his daughter. That's kind of yeah. for me at its core. You can, you can you can definitely pick out some themes that like, you know, yeah. there's more you, than one. There's there's a lot of themes in this that you could totally pick out and like reach for. But I, honestly, like take it. Try not to take it at face value. You, you want to kind of. I, I guess experience this. It, it's yeah. It's very it's very complicated, but it's very it's very fun to read. So I I, yeah. I enjoy this book. Go back and read number one. A very very good issue. Yeah. And and yeah. Jump on in the extremity bus. It's just just barely got going. So yes, extremity oh, yeah. number two. Grab it and get go get number one. It's fantastic from Image Comics. And coming in at number six is another one of the number ones. It's from Aftershock Comics. Eleanor and the Egret. This is from the Chew writer John Layman. And I'm glad to see that he wasn't uh, Funny, without I was talking work. Talking about Chew the other day. Exactly. So it's another reason why I definitely grabbed it because it's him and I love his work. Read the entire Chew series. And Sam Keith, the artist from the Max, from yes, back in the day. Go look him up, Sam Keith. He hasn't done a lot of stuff, but here he is. He's back, and he's got that strange sort of weird artistic sort of Van Gogh kind of look to his art. With a lot of lines, a lot of shadowing, edging, and weird panel layouts like you've never seen. That's what he's known for. He actually yeah. tames it down a little here, but I'm sure we're going to see more of Sam Keith's sort of strange paneling framing that he does in these circular sort of parts. It, it, it's almost like it's almost like a, every panel, at least for the first couple of pages, every panel is like a, a picture in a frame. 
Like it's hard to there, there's actual frames for the panels. It, it's it's yeah. nuts. And he draws art in them. You can see like a woman's face in this this panel lining and butterflies. Yeah. It's just using for the frame edging. It's nuts. It's Sam Keith. It's uh, him working on all cylinders here. Even the way he does his titling. There's art within his titling. I mean, look at that. Just all sketched in. And he's a pencil artist. He takes forever. I hope this doesn't come out every three or four months. But this is a weird sort of interesting story about this sort of heisty art stealer. And with how the, she with talks. A, with a bird. With a strange egret bird that she wears <laughs> on her head sometimes. In her head, like, hat dress mm -hmm. sort of, of ensemble. And it plays dead and speaks to her when when it's appropriate. <laughs> and she's stealing this art from this particular person. So there's definitely some some significance here, which we don't know yet. Uh, it, it, this uh, doesn't quite lay out. It's very mysterious, right? Very kind of Sherlock Holmes, very yeah. heisty. It's very uh, like a uh, detective comic-y. Like the, there's obviously gonna be um, there's obviously gonna be like a uh, some sort of duel between. Um, Eleanor, the main character with her bird, and this detective. Yeah. Um, there's going to be something going on. I don't know what's going to go on, um, to be completely honest, but it's, he's obviously getting down to like finding her. And so, wait, the, another thing that, that kind of threw me off was this bird freaking talks. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it, but this bird freaking talks. Um, it's a crazy, like, awkwardly sized bird, but then it fits in like her backpack, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> So they go back to the house and then like, I guess I shouldn't spoil that they part. Don't spoil yeah. That. So yeah, but basically, it's a it's a if you like I don't know if you like it, you find out comics, she's she's stealing the paintings yeah. ultimately. That's not giving up too much. And how she did it. Yeah. yeah, and she's even trying to get the detective off her trail by giving him the feathers of a bird <laughs> of a bird that doesn't exist. Yeah. So she's definitely naive. She has that naive feeling to her and doesn't quite really know what she's doing. But she's stealing this art for a reason. We don't know the reason yet. Mm -hmm. And they just barely introduce you into this, like, sort of billionaire artist, right? Yeah. And why she's stealing the paintings have some significance, but we don't know what it is yet. But it's very 90s sensibility. She, it's a nostalgia flashback for me. She, she, uh, she clearly states that, like, she's not stealing them for money, so. We don't know what. We'll, we'll see what, what happens from there. But, yeah, very 90s nostalgia. Yeah, for me, it was uh, also seeing John Lehman back from the, you know, he writing Chew. Now he's into this and to see Sam Keith back. So it's just like this partnership that I'm really interested to see where it goes. But coming in at number five is Justin's art winner pick. This is Allies issue number two from Vault Comics. And this is, again, uh, artist Efroviva, which her first name uh, is, again, escape me. I want to say it's Alina. Alina, yeah, Alina Efroviva. And uh, uh, hello, I know she listens to the podcast. And thank you for listening. And I know that your English is not very good. And that was just very nice of you to take a moment and say thank you that you listened to the podcast. But uh, your, your art is awesome. Your art is awesome. It's beautiful. And it really tells the story here. So you take allies, Justin, because this was like your art winner pick of the week. And I, I kind of agree with you. I was torn a little bit from Boodle Nature artist. But uh, <laughs> so talk a little bit about allies number two and what you thought of this. So coming off of coming off of allies number one, you're, you're sort of um, confused as, as to what's going on. Um, and then it drops you with this new character and you're meeting him for the first time. And he has, he obviously has something to do with Nika, the, the main character and their group who's been captured question mark. Um, this is Johnny Simmons. Remember so, she mentions yeah. him yeah, and she also the breakdown. Him. Johnny, yeah. she, she, so she's, she was like in the last issue, she was like sort of tripping about it. Like she thought she was hearing him, but whatever. Um, so He's on this search for a old villain, right. somebody they've faced in the past before, uh -huh. and 
So he's in the woods looking for, for this crazy person, and there's a girl in a helicopter above them, and they're having this conversation, and you can tell he's very um, bothered by something. Like, he's he's not having a good time. I like how he's bothered with being in nature, too. Yeah. He's like, I hate nature. Yeah. I just want to be indoors. I just uh, thought that was funny. Like, nice so, funny so he goes looking for, for this person, and this person finds him. And Look at how they drew this yes. person, okay, right? So, so in the dark here. Very, very dark. Like a lot of furs and like dirt and like... T- okay, I, I get... Animal, I don't wanna, animal I don't, skin? Maybe? I really don't want to spoil this because this yeah. was actually a fun comic book moment for me that I've yeah. never actually really experienced. Um, so I, I'm going to leave that that up to... So this leave person... It, it has to do with this person um, and who this person is and the reveal of this person. So uh, if you're going to read this, I'm not going to spoil that. It goes back to Nika in the hospital and she's still tripping like, that her legs are, are gone. and Not much has changed to Nika here. Yeah. Like, it could have been an extension of issue one. This could have been a yeah. double size. I, w- I would say um, I would say that the Nika stuff felt a little a little thrown in. A little o- more of the, of yeah. the same that happened in Yeah, because, because uh, at the end of the issue, she does the same thing in this issue that she did at the end of the issue. So, there, there's it does advance the story when the doctor starts to sort of explain what's going on in his way because he's he's been being told by somebody i'm not going to say who um so essentially what's happening is she thinks she's in like a prison but apparently it's not they said that there's some pandemic going on or a prison of the mind is it a pandemic (laughs) anyway he went he he gets way the the back to johnny in the woods johnny in the woods um he gets woken up by this figure and then this is the part i'm not going to talk about right um so from from here on i would just I, I, I really want people to read this book. This is just very, very amazingly written. Very character-driven. I, I don't know how much time this person goes into to writing for these characters ahead of time because it, it seems like she is very detail-oriented in these people's lives. Um, you, you get... You, you just... I don't know. You you feel like they're real people. To, yeah. to me, it, it's very character driven. These characters are definitely getting flushed out here, and and you feel like they're developing them. And where there were just names thrown out before, you're like, oh, excellent. Like we're getting to see who they really are, and they stand alone with their own personalities. Even the little glimpse and how that uh, Johnny hates nature. It's just also <laughs> a great white a writing yeah. technique to give us some some just, background just on who they are. Just little eccentricities, you know, yeah. that that make a person who a person is like. I, I, I'm just an example. You're very germophobic. You're not very germophobic. You, you're you're a uh, you're you're. I guess yeah. You're sort of germophobic. Yeah. You have a lot of sanitizer everywhere. Um. So knowing that about my dad makes him more of a real person. He grounds him for me. So those little eccentricities where she's trying to, you, you know, with with Nika and, and how she's she's her background and you're exploring this background even to Johnny not liking nature mm-hmm. those little things yeah just just amplify this for me and so towards the end of the book yeah, you, uh, yeah I'm not gonna spoil it towards the end of the book you sort of learn what's happening and then just like boom and next issue right is gonna be awesome uh, this is probably one of my favorite ongoing titles right now it's only yeah. two issues in I mean I don't want to get ahead of myself but I love this this title it's, it's awesome yeah, it's fantastic. And like I said, Vault Comics and it's Allies issue number two. Justin's art winner pick. Definitely solid art. And I want to see where this is going. I can't wait till number three comes out. I hope it doesn't take forever. But coming in at number four is from Image Comics as well. A number, num- Another number one. And it is uh, Rock Candy Mountain issue number one. 
And I loved this. I especially, even to, to talk about the back of the comic first, there is a uh, Eric Newsom. He has a PhD in a University of Central Missouri. Writes this article called Hobo Harmony, and you can you can actually see here that this was the inspiration for the creator Kyle Starks to create this series, written and drawn by Kyle Starks, by the way, colored by Chris Schweizer. And this is a, a glimpse into Hoboland. I just love it. It's just this sort of subculture, this underworld of the world of hobos. And in this article, which is a great article at the end of the comics, you have to read it. I know it's two pages of text, so don't be thrown off uh, comic book uh, readers by text. But it's worth it to read the entire two pages of this from this professor of Central Missouri. And it really explains how after the Great Depression, how the hobo culture was born and how it really affected the United States back then and in its rise of getting back into economic strength and how the hobos actually paid a, played a part in everything and the economic de development of the U.S. But this little weird story has some magic blended in. It's like the devil is chasing this sort of super hobo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... It, it 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 was a it was sort of a dive into a culture that I've never really experienced. Um, but in the beginning, you get the devil, like almost like devil went down to Georgia, like you know, like kind of thing. Like uh, so, he's he's looking for this person, um, who you don't really know who he is, but then you you experience his story when he when a I guess a rich guy runs onto the train and and becomes a hobo. He, this this guy's running away from something. He's he's obviously got problems where he's from, and this super hobo I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, he sort of takes him in and says like, I'll, I'll teach you how to be a hobo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so from there it's just kind of like, uh, you learn what this guy's trying to do and why he's helping this guy, and you learn that there's a hobo mafia. Right. And they have a special ring that they show, which is drawn on the very back cover, right? It's just a circle with a line drawn through it, exactly. but it's like a special ring. But I like that there's even a twinge of magic, maybe, because there's this book that he opens, and it gives the direction with a simple arrow telling him which way to go, and it changes, right? <laughs> so, yeah, there's a part where he jumps onto another train. Yeah. And so the arrow is, let's just say it's pointing to the left. It says which Rock, is, Rock Candy Mountain this way yeah, with an arrow. It's, it's an arrow pointing to the left. He jumps onto the train, which is going the opposite direction as the train he was on before. And the arrow is pointing the opposite direction. It's pointing to the right. And he's just, he's just like, dang oh, it. Crap. Like, and you're like, what? Like, this book is, is like, magical? What's going on? Right. So With a single arrow pointing yeah. the way to Rock, Rock Candy, Candy Mountain? Mountain that way. And an arrow. So I feel like Rock Candy Mountain's going to be an actual place when I know that even in the song it's described as sort of hobo heaven. But I feel like with the devil chasing him and he's got this weird magic book and this mysterious sort of super hobo that we may find an actual place called Rock Candy Mountain. I hope so. I hope it's not just some metaphorical, uh, you know, uh, description of hobo heaven i hope it's an actual place like because there is there does seem to seem ma like magic involved here and the devil's chasing for what reason we really don't know yet why he's chasing super hobo we'll see but i'm in and definitely read the article at the end it definitely has uh, you can tell as well how how this creator kyle starks was influenced to create rock candy mountain issue number one definitely my number four pick of the week but here we go now we're in the top three the top three comic book picks so here we go coming in at number three is motor girl issue number five this is from abstract studios this is from one of my favorites of all time terry moore and this is motor girl issue number five there's even an interesting sort of quote here from peter kreeft that says in an age of hope men looked up at the night sky and saw the heavens in an age of hopelessness 
They call it simply space. Love that quote. So simply the duality, like we we're talking about Superman, yeah. from light to dark, from negative to positive, mm. it's very much stating that here, and it sort of easily ties into the theme of this of this particular comic book, which is like kooky, kooky. <laughs> it's all over the place. You've got our main character who has PTSD, in a nutshell, Sam. And she has an imaginary gorilla friend, which you kind of just were piecing that together that she is yeah. imaginary. It's it's not so clearly written out that yeah. the gorilla is imaginary. By it the way, it was like it was like a like a Fight Club moment, like because when you realize in Fight Club that Brad Pitt, spoilers, Brad Pitt is a figment <laughs> of um, the narrator's imagination, you're like, oh, and you kind of have to rewatch it to like experience that again. With this, I was sort of deciphering it, and I was like, I asked my dad, I was like. Is the, the what's up with the gorilla? The gorilla imaginary. Is it dad? real? Is it real? And he was like, "It's it's not real." And I was like, "Okay, like I kind of figured." So, but it's subtle the way yeah. they, they don't just lay it out. Like, where's my imaginary gorilla friend? <laughs> Terry hey, is a great imaginary job. gorilla friend. Come here. Yes. Uh, Enter room now. Imaginary <laughs> clap clap. Imaginary gorilla friend. Friend, come in. But I love that you know it's it's very serious and heartbreaking with her PTSD and this imaginary gorilla friend and she lives alone in this junkyard in the middle of Nevada where it's like a million degrees in the summer and she's just there sort of alone and the owner Libby is sort of keeping the place there as kind of her hospice right it's kind of like her 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 sanctuary yeah Yeah. sanctuary like it's kind of her her, maybe her place to, to live the rest of her life and die in solitary and this old lady the junkyard owner Libby who's this cute adorable little old lady it's just sort of keeping it there and keeping it going when there's this menacing sort of weird governmental uh, government company or presence that wants to buy it all because of the presence of... Of aliens? Aliens? <laughs> <laughs> um, this, uh, it was interesting. Um, what was this character's name with the beanie? Um, he's just a, like a, a bad a ran- guy. He's a random guy. Okay. Yeah, he's one of the he's the bad guys. Like there's two bad guy henchmen. He was stolen on this UFO. Yeah, so he was he was abducted and he's, okay. he wakes up in this room full of fog and he's freaking out because he doesn't know what's going on. He's got a mermaid blanket on and he thinks they replaced his legs with <laughs> with a mermaid tail. Now he, I cracked up out loud here because this reminds me of this old Bugs Bunny cartoon where the buzzard falls from the sky and lands in a pile of bones. And, and he thinks, thinks the bones are his, and he's touching the bones. You remember that slightly? I watch that cartoon all the no, time. I don't remember that. The buzzer falls in the sky. He's implanted in the dirt, and, the, and his bones are sort of up and over him, and he thinks he's dead feeling the bones. <laughs> well, that's the same thing as this. He sees this yeah. mermaid blanket and feels that they turned his legs into mer people. The bottom half of them into a mer person. Yeah, so you <laughs> you learn you learn what's going on, and these, these, these aliens are like taken different shapes and they like change and you see the shadow of this alien and realize that it's not what it looks like in, in real life yeah and then um you sort of you sort of like get revealed that there's all these crazy mutant human experiments experiments yeah and one is is a humanoid experiment of like a cow and richard nixon <laughs> right. and he says he's i'm not a crook there's all these, you can see the stitch lines, right? So they're doing weird yeah. experiments on people and animals and splicing them together. So they can, these aliens can sort of morph their faces into looking like these pleasant creatures, but um, they're murder yeah, they're not, aliens. They're not pleasant. Hashtag alien racist? <laughs> alien racist. <laughs> <laughs> you got robot al- racist and alien racist. 
So it's a complex story. It's just so lovingly written by Terry Moore and drawn with such beautiful facial features that really tell the story and capture the emotion. It is always top-notch work coming from Terry Moore and it's again it's they want to buy the junkyard they're trying to kick Sam out of there she's having still her PTSD issues and the aliens are there which you think are all fuzzy and friendly and they're not they're doing weird things so it's just complex it's weird I love it it's off the beaten path but it's Terry Moore and I'm in it till the end absolutely so coming in this is the number two and number one this is it this is the greatest of the great in my opinion uh, this is the uh, number two and number one it's brutal nature Issue number one and two. This is uh, beautifully drawn by my art pick winner of the week, Ariel Olivetti, and written by Luciano Saracino. And this is a weird, in a gist, there's all these crazy like Mayan masks that have power. And there is only one itch, they call it, that can actually wear these masks successfully. All of them. All of them. Right. You can wear all these different masks. And all the um, creatures in this are just amazing looking, right? The yeah. art here is ridiculous. They're, they're nuts. Like, there's a, the first one you see is like kind of like a gorilla looking yeah. monkey-ish creature. Um, it is just amazingly drawn. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, you could see like <laughs> down to the hair on his crotch where right. you, that blocks his, you know. Thankfully. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so you get dropped in this world where this monkey's just tearing up these drones that are shooting at him. And you're just like, what the hell is going on? But I don't really care because it's awesome. Yeah, um, monkeys destroying drones. It's very like King, King Kong, Kong. But, like, <laughs> but they're just teeny little drones. But yeah. still, and he's purple and blue, and it's yeah. very like Planet of the Apes like face, right? Yeah. Like gruesome looking with these glowing red he, eyes. He's big. He's, a, he's huge. Yeah. Um. So you kind of sort of fall into what's going on. You don't really know what's happening. They're all shooting at him, and then. <laughs> this old couple <laughs> this is my favorite there's an alternate cover of just this old couple standing there yeah and and there's this super old couple that it's weird that in this giant city where that they're in they don't say where it is these are the only two people out there like it's my only <laughs> my only little concern was like there's no other crowds the other there's no other people driving around and like there's this monkey destroying drones but there's like empty city Except for this hilarious little old couple, George and Margaret. I hope they re like continually um, glimpse into George and Margaret's life because it's like they're like he's the it's like the couple from Up, like, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I, oh, it's very cute. Yeah, and like, it's adorable. But they're the only ones that see what's going on. Where it's, is everyone yeah. in this city? Are they the? <laughs> did they kill them all? And they're all that's left. Like what? what? <laughs> they're just that old that they just like sneak by. Like what is that scene in Men in Black where he's like, oh, the girl's got a quantum physics book. Oh, um, yeah. It's midnight she, and there's a white girl with a the, the <laughs> physical. What the hell is a little white girl doing <laughs> sitting on the book with a physics book? Yeah, yeah sitting on a bench and he, she, right? he shoots her. And the, yeah. I thought of that scene as I thought of these two people Men being the black. only people left in this town. <laughs> I thought of Men in Black, like they killed them all. They're these omnipresent Omega beam, Omega level villains that killed everyone <laughs> in the city. You quote Men in Black for the rest of this episode. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> So there's more. George, there's George and Margaret. You get to see them. It's great. You get to see them in the second issue as well. I'm kind of blending them both together for this final review. But ultimately, there's all these masks all over the world, and our evil villain tried a mask on a long time ago of this one like sort of like um sort of demon that was mixed with like a goat, right? Like a goat winged yeah. demon. But he successfully stayed with that mask on. And then he was attacked by this entire village, and he and it's hasn't knocked off. Yeah. yeah. So basically, like, you, uh, I guess if you get injured enough and you basically like pass out, the masks like just fall off your face, and or um, can break, and you can never use them yeah, again. Yeah. So he's been chasing the dragon ever since because he's been able to to have one mask itch. successfully. He's been chasing itch. Yeah, because or, or he's been looking for these masks, and this, he has them all. Ultimately, yeah, our once, villain's yeah. got a bunch of masks, but when he tries them on, they almost all kill him. Yeah. 
So w- another thing that's kind of interesting is he's like, he, when you first meet him, he's a he's not like an an old man. He's sort of like maybe in his late forties, early forties at at the yeah. least. And then as scars as he, on his face yeah, and this white skin. As soon as he trans tries to transform into this gorilla, he like turns instantly old after they take the mask off. Yeah, that so was cool. So he's like right? super old. And then um. At the end of the book, actually, I don't want to get into that. Well, it's not too far in the end. They, yeah. He's in this crazy lab with this weird sort of crazy brainiac-looking three-foot-high scientist and his uh, his trusty sidekick, this woman. <laughs> I thought it was his daughter, but it, it's not. <laughs> no, she's very attracted to him. Like, in every scene, like, it's inappropriately attracted to him, yeah. right? He's this evil guy, and all she wants to do is get on with him, which is weird. But then they have the machine that takes him back from it almost killing him and becomes very old. To where they siphon the life force of another another person person, and bring him back to sort of his appropriate age. Even younged him up a little, right? Because he was a little older in the previous one. And then he's young. He's younged up. But he's got that same weird scar all across his face and his eyes are red. So he's trying to catch the itch. He's trying to scratch the itch. Um, <laughs> we could itch metaphor all the, or uh, pun all day long. I C H, not I T C H. I C H. I mean, yeah, it's probably that's probably how you We're pronounce probably, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's he's trying to find this itch, he, or he's trying to maybe be the itch. Right. <laughs> Just, let's say it with actual pronunciation. Right. Um, he's trying to be this itch. Um, so. He's hunting down all these masks, and he's trying to be itch. <laughs> be itch. Be itch. Oh, Jesus! I'm sorry. Anyway, puns. Right, um, and so he's, he's even almost to the point of killing himself when he tries all these masks on. They experiment and try to get uh, harness the itch, each power, and it's not working. So uh, ultimately, it's just uh, it's him constantly experimenting with all these masks that he has and wanting to catch the itch. And uh, I love this. This is an interesting, weird, trippy yeah. story. The first arc of this was set in like a Mayan, the Mayan days yeah, of the of Mayan the people. Yeah. The, the first whole arc. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, the first whole arc was that. So this is just modern day. It's like taking up right now. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I just hope they put more people in the city. Come on yeah. now, what's going on? The second issue. <laughs> the second issue is way better than the first one. Yes. Um. So you sort of get the the reason. You don't really get reason why he's looking for the masks. You get reason as to why he's obsessed with it. Yes. Um. So he he gets one of these masks and turns into this crazy goat demon, goat as I mentioned. Demon, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And he and you could tell from there that's where he kind of gets this obsession and he wants to to be this 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 person who has all these right. masks or at least steal his power yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And maybe put him in that soul siphoning harness yeah. and siphon his spirit. And then after that, the character who had the original gorilla mask, the one that fell, apparently is the itch. Right. And so. He's he's not convinced he's the age. Yeah, so they have to kind so, of there's this group. Luckily, this old man, his daughter and son. It's always an are, old Asian man, and an all, uh, <laughs> that explains everything. Hashtag uh, Asian old so man he, explaining. He, he he gives this guy a dragon mask, and he sort of asks him to put him on, put it on, and and to prove it. And this guy's just not having it. And from yeah. there, I I don't want to. I don't think right. we should explain it. I think that's where we stop, honestly. Yeah. From there, pick it up. It's great. Like I said, an, an interesting villain with this strange laboratory person working for him and this uh, woman sidekick that, like I said, always trying to get it on with him. And these masks, and there's backstory here as to how the mask's origins began. And uh, he's on the hunt to find the itch. And uh, just such glorious, amazing art from Ariel Olivetti. And an interesting story. I love the first Brutal Nature series. This one, I love even more. It just got better and that it's actually today and it's modern day. So that wraps it up, Jables. That's our countdown. There you have Ooh, it, folks. That was a lot of comics this week. A lot week. of comics that this was... week. And a lot of good, great comics this week. 
that's all of them. Those are our great recommendations for new comic book day, April 5th. Please go to a local comic book shop and buy those immediately. Tell them Chris and Justin from Sunspots Comics sent you. They'll look at you weird, but who cares? <laughs> if you have questions, comments, or you want your own personal comic book recommendation, email us at chris at sunspotscomics.com or at justin at sunspotscomics.com. And of course, sign up for our email newsletter at sunspots.com, sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And please tune in next week to issue number 102, where Justin will not be with me. I'll be by myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm missing. I'm going to break the streak. Four in a row comes to an end. So <laughs> when I get back, hopefully I can break five in a row. Yeah. Well, on your trip <laughs> and where you're going, I just wanted to give you a little uh, two pieces of advice. Of course, um, never date a woman with a tattoo of a dagger on her arm. <laughs> And when you're in Mexico, uh, only drink um, stuff that's bottled. Beer? <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> Be careful drinking fluids. But anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there you go. That's uh, Please uh, join us next week at 102. There's just to give you a glimpse of some of the comics that are coming out. I'm going to be grabbing 20 comic books that I'm going to be reading next week. And five are brand new, so potentially 25 new comic books that I'll be reading for issue 102. And just to give you a glimpse of some of the stuff I'm reading next week, Amazing Spider-Man 26, American Monster number 6 is finally back. It takes like six months between issues there. Uh, way too long. Green Valley, 7 of 9 is coming. Harrow County, my favorite horror comic of all time. Harrow County is coming, issue number 22 next week. Uh, even uh, next week, The Rift, the ending of The Rift, 4 of 4. Oh, man, I'm so I'm so sad. I know, I want more of those. I want it to be 84, you know. Uh, so I wish it was just four of 84. But just a glimpse of what's coming next week of some of the comic books I'll be reading and discussing. It's going to be an amazing week of comic books. So please just hit subscribe so you can hear everything and you'll never miss a single issue of Sunspots Comics Podcast. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, you want to help us a little bit, just hit subscribe. Go to iTunes, give us a positive review with five stars. We'll personally thank you on a future podcast. Yeah, if you, if you give us a rating, any rating, even if it's negative... We'll read it. Maybe not if it's negative. But um, well, if you if you do rate us on podcast uh, on uh, iTunes or SoundCloud, whatever, um, we will we will shout you out. We'll we'll give you some recognition on the podcast just to show share the love. Um, we're you know we're we're a small podcast here. We're not huge. We like to we like to I guess expand a little bit and sure. and, and meet some people and whatnot. Yes. So, let us know. Uh, let us know how you, how you like the podcast. You know, if you guys don't like me, let me know. I won't come back on. Um, <laughs> but I'm just 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 saying. Um, give us your feedback. We'd like to hear. We would appreciate it. So, and we'll also leave you with the wise words, of course, from Peter Parker's Uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility. And remember, we all have that power within us. So, thank you very much for joining us. Hope you had a good time. Hope you go out and buy these comics immediately. They're amazing. So, see you next week. And of course, be water, my friends. Be like water. See you later. <laughs> Later, Jables. <laughs> and thank you again. Bye-bye. There the farmer's trees are full of fruit And the barns are full of hay And I'm bound to go where there ain't no snow And the rain don't fall and the wind don't blow In the big rock candy mountain In the big rock candy mountain You never change your socks And the little streams of alcohol Come trickling down the rocks there ain't no short-handled shovels, no axes, spades, or picks. And I'm bound to stay where they sleep all day, where they hung the Turk that invented work in the Big Rock Candy Mountains. In the Big Rock Candy Mountains, all the jails are made of tin. 
And you can walk right out again as soon as you are in. Why the brakemen have to tip their hats and the railroad bulls are blind. There's a lake of stew and a gin lake too. You can paddle all around them in a big canoe in the big rock candy mountain. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Well, look no further, friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow It's Sunspots Comics now